Tech. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Welcome into the program. It's, uh, it's a little bit chilly out there this morning, but it's nice and clear. I'm watching as the the sun is getting ready to start rising in the east right over Stop and Shop. That's, uh, that's my view each morning. I get to see the sunrise over Stop and Shop. Nothing against Stop and Shop, but, um, you know, that's just in the way of my sunrise view. Uh, but maybe where you are, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, good morning. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. And I hope that you enjoyed Jack filling in yesterday. Of course, I was in the newsroom yesterday morning with Ariel, helping her get acclimated to everything here. So I only caught bits and pieces of what Jack was talking about. But I did read his column at newbedfordlight.org regarding Dyer's Field and the league, the softball league that is playing over there and the need to have those facilities upgraded. I remember it wasn't that long ago, I want to say 2015 or 16 maybe, when I wrote the article about the canteen over there at Dyer's Field uh, being dedicated to a young man whose name, uh, they called him Gabby, was his nickname. And that story was, it was one of the most emotional things that I've ever covered. It was his birthday, even though he had passed away the year before, of he had a, a terrible asthma attack and, and did not make it. And they named the canteen after him and had a celebration for him, a birthday party for him on his birthday, where they brought cake out for everybody that came and took part in the special game and the ceremony. And it was, it was just an emotional evening but a celebratory one, too. It wasn't just, you know, mournful for the loss of this young man. It was a celebration of what time he did have on this earth. And it was just very touching. And that canteen named in his honor was going to, you know, continue to serve those kids for years and help keep his memory alive. And then here we are, you know, a few years later, the league goes out of business and shuts down. And now Dias Field's barely used for anything. And the canteen is never open. So it's just a shame that that's what happened. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with the Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League that didn't help the situation, but certainly, you know, the, they weren't pulling the players that the South End Youth Athletic Association and the Whaling City Youth Baseball League were pulling. Those leagues also were drawing from outside communities. You've got kids that want to come from Dartmouth and, and Marion and Rochester and Mattapoisett and... Fairhaven and other towns that want to go play in those leagues and they allow for that because they're not little league teams so they don't have to follow those rules. And as such, Greater New Bedford Youth Baseball League, not only were players that live in those areas, if they had the capability, you know, getting in the car and going to Brooklawn Park to go to the Whale or heading down to Clegg Field to go join the SEYAA, but 
you also had kids coming from the surrounding communities. I actually wrote a story about a kid. I forget exactly where he lived, but I, I don't think he lived in the city, who was a, a major power hitter in the Whaling City Youth Baseball League. And so I went down to the fields to write the story. I remember it was a nice summer evening. I took my motorcycle because I said, you know what, it's, it's, I'm not writing. I'm not going to be carrying my computer. I never like to put my computer in my backpack and ride my motorcycle with that because I was always concerned. Like what would happen if, you know, the backpack strap broke or something? I'm going to lose my computer. So I would never take my laptop on the bike. But I was like, I'm just going to use a notepad and a tape recorder so I can, I can take the bike and rode down to the field. I'm standing along the first baseline, uh, the foul line there, way in the back of the field, talking with Mike Valeri, the photographer for the Standard Times. Uh, he's there shooting photos for the story that I'm writing about this kid. And all of a sudden, just line drive up the, up the foul line, nails me in the side of the head, right in the temple. And... Mike, being the uh, amazing photographer that he is, he really is. He's, he's one of the best I've ever seen in my life. And he's also very instinctual, very quick. Uh, after it happens, he immediately picks up his camera and takes a photo of the side of my head and then says, are you okay? <laughs> but he wanted to grab the photo immediately because you could see the stitching in the side of my head. Like the stitches left an imprint. That's how hard the baseball hit the side of my head. And here's stupid me. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm all right. No, no, I don't have to go to the hospital. I'm fine. Uh, let me just get on my motorcycle and drive back home from New Bedford to Wareham. Yeah. So not not my finest hour, but uh, but I made it. I was okay. Anyway, so yeah, so it was great um, reading Jack's piece and seeing him advocating for uh, improvements to that field, especially when other parks are getting improvements. And really what they're asking for is not, a lot of things, you know, they need to get that fencing replaced so that they can eliminate homeless folks from staying in that little wooded area and from having litter and garbage in that little area. But some of the bigger things they need, like real park lights to play under, you know, those are the kind of things that if the city can show an investment, maybe you can get some private donations to come in with some of that. And I would have to think that a league like that, that is designed for players of a certain community, that folks in that community that have had success in life might want to donate back. You know, when you have a league that's named after one of the preeminent baseball players ever, that might get the attention of some, some businesses that want to be associated with that name, with that league. So it's possible that you could have, you know, you, you might get somebody that wants to come down and say, I'll put up the lights myself and donate the lights. You might get somebody that says, well, I'll put up, you know, $5,000. And then you go and collect more donations from other businesses. So it's possible that they could offset some of what it would cost the city. But, they, but the city has to put in the effort first. And yeah, they've got a plan of what they want to do with Dyess Field, but are they going to make it as nice as Riverside, as, as Brooklawn, as Buttonwood, or is it just going to be, you know, kind of the forgotten park again? So 
Uh, it was a very interesting discussion. What I heard, I do want to go back and listen to the podcast. Uh, and I enjoyed Jack's piece very much. As someone who spent a number of years covering youth and participatory sports for the Standard Times, I know how much people in this area take their recreational sports leagues seriously. Um, yeah, they're for fun, but just look at the photos Jack had in that story. This is a real league, real uniforms, real equipment. They're trying to do everything the right way. They just need the city to meet them halfway. And you know what? If they can't, then they need to make arrangements for them to have a better facility to be able to use that without having to spend an arm and a leg to do it. So we'll keep an eye on that story. I know Jack will be following along with it. He has been following along with it for quite some time. So uh, we'll get all the latest updates on that if anything does happen. 508-996-0500. That's the number to call in and chime in with what is on your mind. Uh, of course, we've had a lot of discussion here on the station in recent days about the unsheltered families, as they were termed in the press release that was put out by the uh, office of the board of select. I'm sorry, the office of the select board and the town administrator um, this past week uh, in Fairhaven, with the rooms reserved at the Seaport Inn, as uh, the chair of the select board, Leon Corey, mentioned. When he was on with Chris and Marcus on South Coast Now last week, the town administrator had been out for a conference. I believe she's back now, so we'll see you know, what happens over there with that story. But we're seeing more and more places around here where rooms are being reserved for that purpose. So that's something that we will also be following. And I think, too, as we're heading into these October months, I'm hoping, well, into the October month here, we're three days in, but we're going to head into the cooler weather. I'm hoping that all of this discussion that people are having about, well, what about homeless Americans? What about homeless veterans? What about the elderly? What about these people that have nowhere to stay? I'm hoping that as we are approaching on the doorstep, I know we just started fall, but we're on the doorstep of winter. I hope that that mindset keeps going for people and that they say, yeah, let's do something about these folks. The ones that want help. Not everybody wants it. And I don't think you can force them into it if they don't want it. You can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. But I'm also somebody that is very much going to advocate for the homeless. Which is kind of why it bothers me that people keep throwing that out there and saying, well, what about the homeless people? Because you didn't care about the homeless people until... Migrant families were showing up here. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, those rooms should go to the homeless people. Nobody was standing outside the seaport in, you know, a year ago saying, the cold weather is coming, put homeless people in the seaport in. And if, you know, the governor had said, hey, it's a state of emergency with the homeless crisis in Massachusetts. So we're going to start using tax dollars to put homeless people into local motels and hotels everybody would have been complaining about that. You would have had some people that said that's a great idea about time they did something like that. But you would have had so many people that say, I can't afford to take care of my family right now. I can barely afford to pay my rent or mortgage. And you want to take my tax dollars and put people in a hotel because, you know, they've decided that they want to live out on the street, but now it's too cold. So that's why I get so aggravated about people use, using the homeless as a, as a point in their argument when, you know, these are the same folks that people don't want to help when they see them sitting out there on the street. 
You know, if you want to help them, the, 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 the cry that you hear from everybody, you want to help a, a, a unsheltered family, a migrant family, have them move into your house. Okay, well, you want to help a homeless veteran, let them move into your house. It, it kind of has to work both ways. So 508-996-0500, if you want to call in and chime in, let's uh, go to the phones here. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hey, thank you for taking my call. How you doing? Good morning. Yeah, Tim, I hear you on that uh, as far as like, you know, uh, it's human nature as far as, yeah, if, if the immigrants weren't coming in, people would be saying, I don't want my tax money spent there. I understand that. But I think that's just psychology of people saying that, hey, I'd like my hard money spent, you know, on different things if there's people that, you know, um, are abusing the system. But, w- but when you compare that to immigrants and then tax money that's being taken anyway, people are going to say, hey, then, then, keep, then keep it home. We, we, you, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not contradictory or hypocritical. It's just psychology. Like, yes, charity starts at home. You, you learn that as a little kid. So it's, it's not that I don't think people are being hypocritical it's it's just human nature yeah well we don't no, they're, they're absolutely being hypocritical how are they not being hypocritical to say that they care about them now when they didn't care about them six months ago they ain't say, i don't think the people are saying they ain't caring about them they're caring about them they're just saying that hey if you're going to take this tax money then, then keep it home that, it's more about keep it home you know what i mean like if you ask me you could spend it on bridges and roads so, and so take the homeless people and, and give let, them jobs. Let's, let's just say more healy you know comes out today and says hey you know what i listened to everybody that was complaining about this you're right i'm going to have all the migrant families move out of massachusetts and we're going to take all those hotel rooms that we reserved and we're going to take all the homeless people that are in massachusetts we're going to put those into the people into the hotel rooms do you really think everybody would be like oh great thank well, you that's well, exactly what we well, wanted well, well, Tim, just think about this. People have been complaining about that for for long before the immigrants been coming. Let's just look look at the Capri Hotel. It's almost as famous as the Bates. <laughs> we, you know, as far as local notoriety goes mm-hmm. and everything crazy that goes there. We've been complaining about the, the homeless people being in there and it's being abused, the drugs, the prostitution. It's the same thing as the Dartmouth Motor Inn. If you go to Seekonk, it's the same thing. There wasn't no immigrants, and people, you know, if you... If you Wait, if you, so you, so you I, mean I there's crime that happens in motels before unsheltered families moved into them? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you know that, Tim. Yeah. Of course, it, it, I know it, that. It, it, I write the stories all the time, no, but no, I don't I, think the people I, that have been I, calling I in you know realize that. I know that. you know that, sir. I know you know that. I'm just saying, you know, and um, there, there's, there's been complaints about that, too. You know, it's a big... Because it's a big Section 8 thing, and that's that also helps drive rents up and stuff, you ask me. So I think that people have been complaining about that. But now it's a, just a different... It's, it's, it's apples and oranges now because it's, it's, it's money going... You know, not staying, not staying local, staying in the in, in the country. Well, I like have with, I have with, no problem with people that complain about the problems that go in there, and now are complaining about you know same problems, different people. I don't have any problem with that. That's not hypocrisy to me. To me, the hypocrisy is the people that are like, you know, why are we putting these people in there? What about the homeless folks when you weren't doing anything to help the homeless folks before? You weren't yeah. you weren't standing out there and saying, you know, Seaport Inn, you've got fifteen empty rooms. You should be putting homeless families in there right now. Yeah. That's that's the problem. And uh, it's it's just, you know, people like to say that people on the left are virtue signalers, but that's the biggest virtue signal I've seen is saying we can't put these people in there when there's homeless folks in there. When, you know, you you don't even want the homeless people to stand on the corner and be able to collect a few dollars because you think that they're all a bunch of scam artists. Yeah, my, my thing, too, Tim, is this. I, my problem is before Maura Haley you know, was elected or anything, she was already at the border with an invitation. You don't invite the people in, and, and she was doing that. I'm not putting words in her mouth or, or going to give her give quotes, but she was down there with that. 
you know, that's those are facts. You know, oh, we have these benefits for you, this, this, and that. And now that they came up here, right? And, and let's just say I don't blame them. Whatever, it's 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 bad out there. And I know that some of the uh, uh, foreign policies that the U.S. has implemented over the years has disabled those countries, so we can take their resources and all that, put in puppet governments that 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 massacre the people or just suppress the people to keep the resources going to uh, private capital. So that that's a driving factor too. So if if if, if conservative-minded people, which I happen to be, I'm an independent, and I used to be a Democrat. I'm 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 an independent now. I'm in the middle, and I like to hear both sides. So I'm, I'll just give it to you like that. But I but as I got older, I I, I kind of got a little more conservative views. So I, I'll just admit that. But I'm I'm not on the MAGA train or anything like that. Well, I think, and I, I think I, that's I a natural progression for a lot of people. A lot of people might might be more liberal minded when they're younger, and then as they become older, they get a little bit more conservative, especially yeah. fiscally. Hey, 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 Tim, I did I did time. I was a knucklehead young guy. With a, I got a criminal record. I'm in my late 40s, man. I work my butt off. I pay taxes. I don't bother nobody. I learned my lessons. And I, as I got older, I became more conservative. I care about, I, I got regrets and shames and pains. Um, I, I, I care about the, the people that I see, whether I'm at Cumbies making a coffee, all these things. And I'm just saying our country can't handle the, 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 the influx because of, just because of the economic a burden that it has. It's not about them or anything like that. I just think it's bad policies, and, and, and I think that more conservative-minded people, we need to drive the politicians for the foreign policy that's destabilizing those countries. You know, with the coups from Nicaragua, uh, Pinochet that they put in, he killed so many people. There's a, you know, uh, the United Fruit Company, if people do history on that, you'll see the, the, the stabilization of, of what's happening, but back to my point, Maury Haley can't go down there and uh, roll out the red carpet and then come back here and then say, oh, we can't handle it. Joe Biden, please give us some money. You know, it, it, you, that, that part here don't make sense. That's sure. all I'm saying. Thank you for taking my call. Right. Have a blessed day. You as well. And uh, we are going to take a break here. We will be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. Coming up, we will take more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We'll also take your app chat messages on the WBSM app. We will also take your open line voicemails on the WBSM app if you want to drop those in there as well. You also want to make sure you have the app to help you try to win Trump's money. That's right. We are giving away, air quotes here, radio air quotes, Donald Trump's money. And that means we're giving away $100 every hour throughout the course of the day between 8 a.m. and the 5 p.m. hour. We're going to have 10 codes throughout the day for you to be able to enter in at WBSM.com or on the WBSM app. Each entry also puts you in the running for the grand prize of thirty grand in your hand. So how about that? You could use that right about now, right? Yeah, we all could. So all you have to do to win Trump's money is stay listening to WBSM. You're already listening anyway, right? So when you hear those codes, take them, enter them in at WBSM.com or on the app. Not in the app chat, but where the button says win Trump's money with the little money bag icon. And then you will be entered to win. So uh, if you run into any trouble with that, just email me, Tim at WBSM.com or shoot me an app chat message and I will walk you through it. But right now it is time to go into the newsroom and get all the big headlines of the day with Ariel Dorsey.
Florida Congressman Matt Gates is aiming to remove House Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his post. He filed a motion Monday to force a vote to overthrow McCarthy. Speaking to reporters outside the Capitol, the Florida Republican mentioned House Majority Leader Steve Scalise as a potential replacement. The move comes after McCarthy worked with Democrats to pass a short-term funding bill to keep the government open, which conservative members of the conference were opposed to. President Biden's son will appear in federal court on gun charges today. Hunter Biden was indicted on three felony firearm charges last month, including unlawfully possessing a gun as an illegal drug user. The charges come after a prior plea deal to to see the gun offenses dismissed fell apart following scrutiny from a federal judge. Biden's attorneys have called the charges illegitimate. He's expected to plead not guilty. A New York girl who went missing during a camping trip two days ago has been found safe. Governor Kathy Hochul confirmed Monday that nine-year-old Charlotte Cena was kidnapped and that her alleged abductor is in custody. Cena went missing Saturday night while on a camping trip with her family in upstate New York. A Philadelphia journalist and advocate is dead after being shot at his home early Monday morning. Police say no arrests have been made in connection with the death of 39-year-old Josh Kruger. Kruger's most recently covered issues like LGBTQ rights, HIV, homelessness, and addiction in publications including the Philadelphia Citizens and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Tesla is reporting lower-than-expected numbers of vehicle deliveries in the third quarter. The company announced Monday that it had delivered just over 435,000 vehicles in the quarter ending September 30th. Wall Street analysts have predicted more than 461,000 deliveries. Sunday night's game between the Jets and Chiefs brought in less viewers than last week's Chiefs-Bears game. Both games featured appearances from Taylor Swift, the reported girlfriend of Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. Sunday night football brought in just over 20 million viewers last night compared to last week's Chiefs game that brought in over 24 million viewers. Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy has bought a waterfront estate on Nantucket for $42 million. The sale was reported by the Boston Globe, and Portnoy was founded the popular sports website 20 years ago, says the house is beyond his wildest imaginations. In sports, the Patriots are going to be without a couple of key players for the foreseeable future. According to ESPN, rookie cornerback Christian Gonzalez and veteran linebacker Matthew Judon are both expected to be out indefinitely after getting injured against the Cowboys. Gonzalez injured his shoulders while Judon suffered a lower bicep tendon tear. Both are seeking seeking second opinions. New England is tied for last in the AFC East at 1-3 and and will host the New Orleans Saints Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Former Pro Bowl tight end Russ Francis was killed in a plane crash in Lake Placid on Sunday. He was 70. According to an NTCSB spokesperson, Francis rolled hard to the left after takeoff from Lake Placid Airport before crashing. Francis was taken by the New England Patriots in the first round of the 1975 draft. He also spent time with the San Francisco 49ers where he won a Super Bowl in the 1984 season. The Bruins have dropped each of their last three pregames preseason games. Boston fell 3-1 to the Philadelphia Flyers last night. The Bruins host the Washington Capitals tonight. Now let's take a look at your, look at your local forecast with ABC6. With you, everybody, on this Tuesday morning, starting out with areas of fog. It will be lifting two to three hours after sunrise. A beautiful day is in store with potential record-breaking temperatures heading into around 80 
Overnight tonight, once again, a cool night with uh, some clouds. Uh, temperatures won't be as cool as last night. And then tomorrow, once again, we do it all over with warm temperatures and dry conditions. Sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. If I don't pay attention and remember that I'm on the radio and I shouldn't play the whole song. But uh, great song there by Badfinger. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hello, you're on the air. Nope. Okay. I'll have to call back. Good morning. You are next on WBSM. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Not bad. How you doing? Doing all right. So I'll, I'll jump on the uh, the last call. It's about the illegal immigrants and you know, I, I saw a, a picture. Someone actually lost a wallet. Um, and inside the wallet, they had their bank card. But they also had a voter ID, and it was Mexican. The Mexican voter ID. So if they can do it, I don't understand why we can't do it. Although I do know that uh, the conservatives like to put financial barriers, unfortunately, between you and your, your right to vote. You know, they, they make you consistently, they, they advocate for you to pay for it, which it shouldn't be paid for. You put right. it, when you put a poll tax, essentially, between you and your right to vote, you know, that, that's, in my mind, that's illegal. That's unconstitutional. And, and, but I have, the, I have a different take on it from the liberal side also. Our Second Amendment right, your gun permit should also be free. It should be paid for by the tax. It should be included. If anybody wants a gun, you go in, you take your test, you, you qualify, and you go in and, and you register, and you get your, your, your gun permit for free, included in, within your taxes. Because, that's again, that's a, that's a financial barrier between you and your right to bear arms. Well, I, I think that there's, you know, you're always going to get the people who say, uh you're going to take it more responsibly if you have to put a little something down for it. So I think it's a hundred dollars for six years. So yep. it's like, you know, you're putting something down. So that means that you, you've got to take it a little bit more seriously. Let me just use just as an example, you know, my ghost hunt events, 
where, yeah, we could hold these things and charge people 10 bucks to get in, but then you're going to get a lot of knuckleheads that come in and people right. who aren't serious about it and then come in and ruin the experience for everybody else. But if you charge a little bit more for it, then you've got the people who really want to take it seriously. And I think that that might be the way people look at something like a gun license, that if they put that financial cost associated with it, then people are going, and you know, and all the other qualifications that they put on it, then you know you're getting people that are serious about owning one correctly. But that's a financial barrier just like a poll tax. I mean, I guess if you wanted to put in the opportunity to apply for financial relief for it, that might be one option. Nope. I, if, I'm, if I make a million dollars a year or if I make $2 a year, that's a financial barrier. And just like, just like if you put a financial barrier on, on voting, I don't care if you're, you're a millionaire or you make two bucks, two bucks a year. There should not be a financial barrier between you and your, and your rights. Imagine, let's see. Uh, what's some other rights that we can put a financial barrier on? Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna have a protest, there's another one. You wanna have a protest? You have to actually put up money for a permit. Mm -hmm. That's a financial barrier. You shouldn't have to do that. Well, I mean, I don't. It depends on where you're gonna have it. So you yep. could you could have a protest right in front of your own house with no problem. But if you want to do it in a public place, then yeah, they want you to have a permit for it. Yeah, I, I completely disagree. You you should. I mean, if if they want to know how many people are going to be there when, just so they can schedule some some uh, public safety, that's perfectly fine. Don't don't make me pay for it. I mean, make all it these in, make it included in your taxes. All it, these it, costs. All to, if you ask them what the basis of all these costs are, they're going to tell you it's all administrative things. That's fine. Include it in your taxes. Stop making fees. Fees are just another another a nickname for tax on top of it so so it doesn't sound so bad you know my, my my issue is especially with the uh the illegals coming in the the left consistently says well you know they're, they're seeking refuge are they are they seeking refuge are they seeking asylum because the influx the massive floodgates that have opened up what is like there there's a cause there's a cause and effect these people were not coming up you know, years ago, we didn't have a, a huge influx, 10,000 a day for years. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you know, you, you have well, your, your 1,000 a day, you have 2,000 a day. But the, this is, and there hasn't been any destabilization in Central America to the fact of that these people are just rushing to the, rushing to the gates to get the hell out of there. That's, that's not the case. And, well, and you What's know, it also problem? it also becomes a matter of, well, they see these folks doing it, and they were thinking about doing it, so I say, yeah, let's go do it too. Like, it's a matter of they're seeing other people do it, come in, and so they say, well, I guess the, the time is right for us to do it now too. And they're they're taking that chance and, and, and leaving now. So I think that that's probably a more of a driving factor than anything is the fact that because it's happening in such big numbers, people say now is the time to go. I don't, I don't know. I have, a, I have to adamantly disagree on that just because it doesn't make any sense you because years ago you know in in say 2010 2010 we saw you know immigration they they were there were illegals coming in they were but you didn't see this influx why didn't they say oh look there's two thousand people that were doing it why don't we do it well it's also it it's also hugely you know in the news cycle and i'm sure it's in the news cycle in other countries as well as here so it's getting the attention of hey now is the time to do it so i think that it's 
it's kind of, for lack of a better term, it's a marketing thing that they, yeah. the more they see it, the more they say, all right, well, yeah, let's go do it. Let's just go do it. Whereas before they're not seeing it in front of them all the time. It's in the back of their mind is something that they're considering, but they say, I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger on that yet. You know, I, I'd love to move, but I don't know that I really feel comfortable enough. To, like it's, it's a lot of work to move and, you know, but then when you see, okay, but now if you come, now's the time to come and get a place where else they're going to be gone, then yeah, you get motivated to want to move. Uh, I heard that it was in the news significantly under Obama. I mean, we always hear it. The, the conservatives consistently beat that drum only when the, the, the sure. Democrats are in office. Here, I don't know how much it was in the news in the other countries that folks are coming from. Right, right. I just I just find it very odd. I mean, you're going from, from 2,000 a day or 5,000 a day to ten and 15,000 a day. That's a 300% increase. I don't see that happening for any other reason than the PR of the the gates are open, you can seek asylum, uh, but you can see you don't have to stay in Mexico. You can come in the United States and you can stay there. They'll 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 come in. They'll register you. They'll send you off to Somerset, Fairhaven, uh, Dartmouth, New Bedford, uh, Sacramento. They're going to be everywhere. You can go. You can you can enjoy the rest of the United States, but you don't have to stay in Mexico. Where if they were like, you know what, you can seek asylum. But you're going to stay in Mexico for a little while. You're like, ah, I kind of don't like it over there. Well, there may also be, too, there's the specter of, you know, the potential of another Donald Trump presidency. So if you're thinking that this might be something that you want to do, it might be a now or never situation for you because you're afraid that in two years you might not have that ability anymore. Well, I think that would be an argument for, for his policies. Well, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of the people that are coming here. That they right. might be saying like, hey, in two years, we might not be able to get in, so we better go now. And that might be why there's such a, a vast number of them now as compared to before. Because I, I honestly don't think um, that there, the majority of them are seeking asylum. I think in, in years past, you had 2,000 people that were probably seeking asylum from communism, communism in, in Cuba, communism in, in Venezuela. All these people, are, those people were probably adamantly and, and, and honestly looking for, for asylum. Um but I don't think you, you got 10,000 people because there's nothing that's that, there was nothing that was stopping them for years. And there's, there's, it was like a megaphone. To all well, conditions, America. conditions then, where they live might've, you know, changed to the point where they don't want to stay there anymore. Certainly in Haiti, what's gone on in the last couple of years is enough to make them want to leave. If, right. if every aspect of your mm -hmm. life was being controlled by the Latin Kings walking up and down the street every day, you know, you yeah. might say, I got to get out of here. Well, then why the hell would they come to New Bedford? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm going to hold you there because I got to take a break. But right. thank you for the call. You have a good day. Yeah. Callers, hang on. We will get to you. I do have to take the break, though. We'll be back in a few moments. <laughs> and back to your calls, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Morning. How you doing? Good. This is 100% an invasion in our country. A border invasion. It's not even... It's that's just the word I'm going to start using now because the videos I've seen, and you could say, oh, here he goes again with the videos. No, the videos I'm watching, Tim, unless they are literally fake videos of illegal immigrants putting sheets, bed sheets, clothing on top of seawire, okay, that is, that is on the Rio Grande River, then, then I, I don't know what else to call it. It's, it's an invasion of our country. We're literally under attack right now. Do you not? I just don't understand why people don't realize that. Yeah, it's not an attack. And, 
Oh, it's an attack. That's Believe bombast. It. No. For, 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 for people to sit here and, and watch our country get invaded like this by illegal, and, and there's no other word, unsheltered families, that's BS. That's not what, that's not what we, we, we should be calling them. Because 95% of these people that are coming here don't have families. They don't have the kids. You're just making up numbers. You're just making up numbers. Tim, I'm going, I'm going by what I'm, what I'm seeing on the news. What I'm watching on mainstream media news. That doesn't, okay, that doesn't mean that 95% of... We, you, you made that number up. Nobody's reported that they're 95% people without families. From what I'm, what, from, no, I'm, uh, from what I'm looking at... So you counted okay. every person that's coming across the border oh, based on what break, you've seen on TV. No, yeah, you're just pulling stuff out of your just ass and I trying I to claim it as no, fact. No, just because I threw out a number, okay, doesn't mean that I'm making it up. No, well, because you want to make things sound worse than they are. Just like, just like when you said this morning, okay, that... That people advocate for the homeless don't do nothing for the homeless. How do you know they're not doing anything on their free time just because they call into WBSM and complain about the illegal immigration? Because the where, where, where were they? You know where were they complaining about it before? There's a woman that called. Were there in, people okay? protesting outside in, these listen, hotels for homeless people to I get hope, in? I didn't I see that. Call, I hope she calls in, okay? I hope she's listening and hears my voice, okay? Because she knows. I've listened to her, okay, say to you before in the past. Because you've called her out on it. When have you? Oh, you're always advocating. No, she had a family this. member that was okay. a veteran that she had move in with her. That's not the same as taking in a homeless veteran. That doesn't matter if that veteran is homeless, Tim. That's a homeless It's a family veteran. member. It doesn't it count. It doesn't matter. No, that, that, no that, that right there is. Um, okay, that, so if awesome. I had a family awesome. member that was coming here from Haiti and I let them move in with me, that's not the same as taking in an unsheltered person from Haiti. For you to say that a veteran that's homeless, that maybe is a family member of that person, no. isn't a homeless veteran, that is awful. No, that is not. Honestly. Don't put words into my mouth. What I said was it's a family member that you're taking in. It's not the same as taking in somebody that you don't know, which is what they're advocating for. They're saying take in somebody that you don't know into your home, and I'm saying then you do the same thing. Said that it was a homeless veteran. That's oh my God! You can keep saying it, but you're not going to make it any different. It's still a family member. There's a difference between having somebody live with you that's related to you and taking in a complete stranger. Okay. Does that person? Okay. So okay. That doesn't. No. That that's that, that that's not. No. Because who know who knows? Oh who my God! They, I can't have this conversation with you if you can't even see see the difference between the two. No. Who even knows the situation? The, the fact of the matter is, is that. You do not know personally what people do to advocate for homeless people and homeless veterans. What I said is that there's nobody standing outside these hotels protesting for homeless people to be in there. That's what I said. I've never seen those protests. I've never reported on them. They've never happened. Well, not opening your eyes. because That's a little different than saying somebody didn't go and help homeless people on the side or do something, you know, quietly under the radar. I'm talking about the people that are standing out there with signs saying, get these illegals out of our hotels, did not stand out there with signs saying, put our homeless people in these hotels. Well, I don't know, Tim. It's, 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 hey, listen, it's like I said, it's an invasion of this country. Okay. Well, when they show up at your door and try to force you out of your house, give me a call. I'll come over and help you defend it. It won't be long before that. Yeah, it, it's never going to happen. All right, Tim. Have a good day. Take it easy.
I got to take a break. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. I only have about 90 seconds before it's time to go into the news. So callers, if you want to hang on, we will get to you at the start of the next hour. I will jump right back into the phone calls. 508-996-0500. We have one line open if you want to try and get into that. You can also leave your open line voice open line voicemails on the WBSM app. You can also leave your app chat messages on the WBSM app and we can get to those as well. Uh, we will have coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Joining us will be Erin Sylvia. She is known as the Surrealtor. There was that story that was in the news uh, a couple weeks ago about the former funeral home that's for sale in Massachusetts that um, is being advertised as being probably haunted. And so Erin is a real estate agent who deals with those type of stigmatized properties. And she puts a focus on those. So I'm going to have her come in and talk with us a little bit about that. You know, not just about the idea of them being haunted, but there's other things that happen in some of these properties like murders and things like that, that if you ask, they have to tell you about. Or they have to acknowledge. So she's going to tell us about all the ins and outs of that. And uh, we'll talk about, you know, advertising some of these haunted places. And whether as a realtor you think it's a good idea to do it that way or a bad idea. I'll tell you this much. It got a ton.